Welcome to JP Morgan TV. I'm Bruce Kasman, and with me this week is Joe Lupton. How you doing, Joe? It's been a bit since we. Hey, spoke Bruce, just back from holiday. I know you were in Scotland, and you have not picked up an accent. <laughs> I did so. pick up a lot of Scotch, though. Okay, well, we're not going down that road. Let's go down the road of talking about what's happening in the global economy. You know, certainly there still is a lot of concern out there, but certainly the data continues to tell you you don't want to be too concerned in a world in which we've gotten some pretty impressive uh, global readings this week. I don't know where you want to start. You can do PMI, you can do China, um, or more generally how we're adding up. We're going to have a couple of other GDP reports. We'll have flashed euro area and uh and u.s next week so um take it where you wish will well i think uh yeah I, I mean i i think the key question is how do you read the 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 very strong first quarter with some hints of momentum loss as we move through the quarter that was kind of how we've been framing things we've moved through the week but even that i feel like some of the latest data you know particularly the pmis actually are even questioning whether the momentum loss is as big as we had feared. So just starting things out, you know, the, the strength of the first quarter, uh, you know, China, you know, much stronger, you know, close to what, 12% almost? 11.9 11. annualized. Yeah, 11.9% yeah. annualized. By our seasonal adjustment, yeah. Right, right. So, you know, and it's just strong across the board, you know, driven by reopening dynamics, driven by you know, front loading of policy, driven by housing it looking to find a bottom, driven by even even like kind of a bit of a global backdrop. Exports are doing quite quite well, at least to to the region there. So, you know, strong data out of, out of China, and I think as we know, the U.S. is tracking uh, quite strong as well. Um, you kind of nod in your head a little bit, but well, not quite as strong as China. I mean, we've got probably <laughs> somewhere between two and a half and three yeah. percent GDP growth, which is good. And certainly yeah, by no, our, very, our standards for the way. U.S. Let's put it this way. The global GDP is probably tracking a, a good bit over 4% now for the first quarter, right? And then you don't get that just with China. You get that with a strong U.S. You get that with a solid Europe. I mean, not great, but certainly way better than we had feared. Uh, and so the first quarter basically is just is looking pretty good. And that comes against that backdrop, as you pointed out, that a lot of people kind of came into the year with pretty pretty big concerns that we, you know, some saying we might fall under recession in the first half. We pushed back against that. I think that yeah. is being validated. Now the shocks are coming. The banking sector stress potentially is still Well, let's out. leave that a second. Let me just sort of yeah. make uh, uh, the observation that I was looking at the blue chip forecast uh, uh, consensus for the U.S. and you still have the consensus of economists having negative GDP in Q2 and Q3. Yeah. Um, I think um, you know the concerns around this credit stuff are sitting there, of course. Um, and as you noted, um, we're we're quite comfortable emphasizing that there were some things that boosted both U.S. and global GDP in Q1 that are going to fade from the scene here. So it is about momentum into the second quarter, but it's it's not just about whether momentum is slipping, but is it slipping in a way that threatens? Um, this narrative of of fragility and, and recession imminent type type when story. I, when I think about like, you know, this this momentum loss and how to read the momentum loss, one thing could be just this is just a breather after a very strong start to the year, meaning January data was very, very strong. 
Uh, or is this a sign of something kind of breaking into the second quarter? And you're right. There are people out there who think this is something breaking into the second quarter. I, I don't think that's the right story. I think it's more of the breather. And, and frankly, I think when you look at things like, well, the there's an in between, there's an in between there's Joe, which is that there were things that kind of created, um, strength at the beginning of the year, which are fading. And we are probably at the same time going to have some building set of drags that are going to slow underlying growth. We just had three quarters, even if you, even if you smooth Q1 out, we just had three quarters where the economy grew. If we're right on the Q1, more than two and a half percent each quarter. Uh, so I think, I think the, from that kind of position, there is some slowing going on. There is a tightening in monetary policy, there's a tightening in credit conditions. Right, but, uh, but yeah, I don't think there's anyone that's doubting we're going to slow from those those strong three quarters. But it's just a matter of are we breaking into a downturn? And I know you're on this page because you've been saying this for a while that this is going to take time to build. It's not something that's going to happen. And I would just point out, I look to the fundamentals to say like, well, how much of this momentum loss is signal and how much is noise? And you know, that fundamental support still seems to be there, right? I mean, wage income seems to be doing well. And let's just step back a second. The nominal income gains of the first quarter are pretty darn strong. That's a lot of income generation. And we pointed and out builds... even through the fourth quarter, corporate profits were doing, I think, better than people had feared. So broadly speaking, you've got, you know, strength for, uh, or you've got support for continued resilience into the second quarter. And if you are worried, and we are worried about an eventual downturn, it's just going to take time and maybe even more time than uh, what we had expected. Yeah. So I think just to highlight the two points, I think um, we're seeing here. One is that I think the first quarter performance and the continued momentum, particularly in the services coming towards the end of the quarter, and that's one of the messages from the PMIs uh, yeah. today is that these lifts that are coming from the fading um, shocks of last year are pretty darn powerful and they have life in them and they're not they're not necessarily going to last that long but they're going to be here for more than two or three months. I mean I think that's an important point to take regardless of what your view on the noise versus uh, the signal about the strength of Q1 GDP is and that I think um, um, well, just, is just adding and then let me just make. Yeah, Let me just yeah. finish the point, the thought, which is to reinforce what you're saying, which is I think there's an underlying sense of the fragility, particularly in the U.S., which has this idea that there's some kind of um, compression of income coming, whether it be more concentrated in the household or the business sector here, um, that's going to cause um, one of those two sectors, I think more people probably worried about the business sector, to really pull back here. And uh, not only did we have just two pretty darn strong nominal GDP quarters in Q4 and Q1, both stronger than a lot of people had expected. But you also have um, a uh, balance of income generation there that's actually surprising in, in how well it's held up here. Normally, when you have big shocks and you have big moves in inflation, not both businesses and households are able to benefit from it. But this time, that seems to be um, the case. So that you know, I think that getting those messages across are important. If we want to take the other side here um you know the thing that bothers me the only thing that's bothering me right now is claims <laughs> yeah i mean there's, well, a, claims there's a lot of other data. Claims, i think you've got the hours that were kind of down for two straight that doesn't months. bother me doesn't okay bother me. not after i mean if you want to look at 
hours you got to take January and get together with February, March. And I don't have any problem. Well, with that's the fine. Ideas. But hours, you can go back to the prior two months before January. They're also down for two straight months. Yeah, but if you look right, at so Q4, four out, you look four at four out of the last five months had hours down. It doesn't bother me. Not from a recession <laughs> signal point of view. Claims bothers me. Claims are up a yeah. lot. There's a yeah. there's obviously we can we can go through all of the the question marks we'd have about that. Well, and um, yet the flows of uh, we were talking earlier today, right? The flows of employment to unemployment in the household survey are moving the exact opposite direction of claims, which make no sense because they usually line up quite closely. Yeah, they make no sense. So this is good, good, good way to, but that's, but that's the part of the point here. I think in the context of U.S. Well, data, as much as claims are often a good signal of a high frequency shift, we have the problems of seasonality. We have the problems that it's not consistent. And I think you got to well, put it in the context of What do we usually fall back to in this world, right? We fall back to kind of the business surveys are, are important, right? Stand by our PMIs. And I think what's interesting is if you really felt like momentum was supposed to be slowing to get us to our second quarter forecast, PMIs are also moving the opposite direction, right? The PMIs have been moving up pretty steadily since November of last year. And it's been a, and then they, we thought they were going to maybe kind of at least level out Last month, they moved up. We thought they were going to level out this month. Looks like they're moving up again, at least in the flash readings they did for the DM. Well, the interesting issue there that the the PMIs got very weak in the um, fourth quarter of last they did, year. did, but as, ISM, as you always say, ISM it's a in momentum US, indicator. No, no, I was just let me finish this thought. The ISM survey in the U.S. stayed high, and now the PMIs are coming up. The ISM's coming off. They're right now pretty close in level, so... What will be interesting to see is if the ISM now kind of sends a consistent signal by stabilizing or actually starts to break through to the yeah. downside. We'll see where I'm that a, I'm a global goes. guy, Bruce. I look at the PMI. You don't, I don't know what yeah. ISA means. <laughs> well, uh, we can have a, a session on that afterwards. Um, <laughs> let's talk about, you know, the central bank community here for a second. Um, you know, I, I came out the last time we talked and I and I argue that as much as I still think the Fed's going to move in May, I, I think it's not a bad time to take some time and uh, let this thing settle. And I still feel that way. I still feel the Fed's going to move in May, but yeah, I still feel it's the, now, right, right? it's the right thing to do is to give this thing a little bit of a, of a, of a pause. Um, but, um, you know, the question I think, which is going to get interesting is after May, if we are slowing um, towards our forecast, which is the U.S. economy is going to grow about 1%. If, as the data is suggesting, the rest of the world is doing okay, nothing is necessarily pointing to a very uh, uh, abrupt slowing, a recession dynamic, uh, whether the Fed actually is going to be in, in a position to, uh, to pause or, or continue at that time, because uh, I think neither of us believe inflation is going to cease to be a significant concern on their front. So what's, what's your no, read? No, but it will be moving down. I, look, I, I, I think... Our forecast is internally consistent, and we're talking about the U.S. here. I think it's internally consistent in the sense of we've got this kind of very uh, rare soft landing or a, call it a mild recession that's barely a recession. You've got inflation coming off without much of a rise in the unemployment rate. I actually am more of a believer in that than you because I think there are some supply side issues there. Um, and then in that environment, but stay elevated and take time for that to happen. In that environment, 
a Fed that kind of just goes on hold for a little bit, which would also be rare because if we're in a mild recession, usually a Fed is cutting in a recession. We don't have them cutting until early next year. That's rare. But that would make sense if you felt like inflation was only coming down gradually and they're going to wait till they see that. Now, as I said, this is all internally consistent. I think of all the probabilities out there, that's probably the least likely, right? I, I think that you're more likely to either get, you know, a, a world in which you do get a true kind of immaculate disinflation, if you will, where inflation really comes off more and you get the supply side revival and the Fed can start cutting or you get a proper recession, which I know I think you and I are both leaning towards now. Uh, that's not our forecast, but you know, by the time you get to late this year into early next year, a more proper recession is underway. And then the Fed does start cutting pretty, pretty rapidly at that point. So I'm not sure where I want to go next, but I'll, I'll let I'll let that settle. And well, I think um, one thing that's happening, Bruce, I mean, you said, like, what does all this mean for the central banking community? At least what I'm seeing is just you know, better news on growth. I think concerns around the banking sector stress have not gone away, but they're certainly fading from where we were two, three weeks ago. Uh, and the inflation news continues to be one that's hot, surprising to the upside. I mean, this week for the UK was case in point, right? Labor yeah. market, surprise to the upside. Inflation, surprise to the upside. People were starting to think maybe the Bank of England might not even hike 25. Now it looks like they're hiking 25. And Alan is Which, talking about maybe the terminal the rate is higher. Yeah, which we never took our call out. Um, right. But let, let's just sort of um, um, put this in the context of what we're expecting next week. And I think there's a few things that are interesting in the in the U.S. data that's worth highlighting. One being that um, despite the relatively soft profile we've seen in retail sales, we're actually looking for a real consumption gain of three tenths. Um, yeah. And that is a service sector story, which I think, again, hits the point. Um, that there is strength coming from this, you know, fading of drags that are allowing service sector activity to normalize. The U.S. is is probably the least um, benefiting from this now, but it is benefiting as well. Um, yeah. A we second don't have a point. Lot to base that on, right? No, we we never I mean, do have a lot to base. Well, I mean, it's not, I, I, I guess I, I I take heart in that in hearing you talk about three tenths. That really makes me feel better after retail sales. But then I remind myself. Well, yeah, what it's are we not a... that on? <laughs> okay. So we'll enough. wait and Just, see next week. We'll, we'll wait. We'll, wait and we'll see. Say, see. And there, I think there's um, a couple of other things that should be interesting. I think there's a conversation we're not going to have the time to get into in any detail, which is the news on manufacturing is intriguing because we're getting some output recovery, but it's not clear whether the sector is actually genuinely turning. There's a tech story. There's an inventory story. There's a bunch of things that are cross kind of giving us cross signals in terms of the data, including the PMIs this this week, which gave, you know, weaker signals in Europe than in the in the US um, yeah. when the numbers came out. But I think in the US, two things I think in the data to look for is in the GDP report, you know, we're looking for two nine on GDP, but we are looking for a fairly significant weakening in inventory accumulation, uh, yeah. which would be a positive, not just for um, the composition of growth in the current quarter, but for the manufacturing sector, perhaps being in a better position looking forward as we go towards uh, mid-year. I think another yep. thing I'm looking for in the data next week is in the durables report, something we don't pay generally much attention to, but defense orders should go up a decent chunk. And I do think we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that one of the defenses against the dark side for the U.S. right now 
is a set of things that are actually helping to boost uh, uh, government spending and government hiring, which we can certainly see uh, in the data in the first quarter and should be a source of strength, not just in the first quarter, but continuing on uh, through the rest of the year. So, Joe, anything else you want to say here? You want to give us a highlight of your trip for, to Scotland or something before <laughs> we, we close up here? And other than your, your drinking at, at escapades with uh, tasting scotch in different places. <laughs> Fine Scottish water. Uh, so, I mean, look, I, I think we, we we talk about these probabilities a lot. I I think you know in terms of the concerns around the near term credit crunch story, I would say we had that those odds sitting around twenty percent at the time things were at the extreme and all the mess was going on a month ago. Uh, that I I would argue has come down somewhere between in half, probably ten to fifteen percent, maybe at most. And then the question is. What do you do with that? Do I feel, I personally feel like the, the whole boiling the frog type story is, is gets more weight now because it just seems like I'm feeling a bit better about the, the growth story. The inflation news in the last month continues to run a little bit hotter than expected. And that's just a, a world where certainly, uh, you know, the market expectations of, of rate cuts, rapid rate cuts coming in the second half of the year, I think are going to be you know, uh, you know, uh, grossly disappointed. Uh, so that would be, but if you're doing, if we're doing that and we're still debating what to do with our probability tree, we basically go back to where we were at the beginning of March because at the beginning of March, yeah. when the thing we actually raised the near term probabilities and took it out of the boiling the frog scenario primarily. Yeah. So, yeah. um, we took a little bit out of the, uh, also out of the, the, uh, soft, soft landing. landing. So, yeah. Okay. I think that's enough for everybody <laughs> to chew on. I'll go take my nap now. But uh, <laughs> thanks, everybody, uh, for listening in and hope that we can continue the conversation next week on JP Morgan TV. Take care.